there a dog in the studio? No, sorry, that was my phone. I probably should have turned it off. Oh, I got excited for a moment. I love animals. Oh, well then you'll really like this edition of the podcast. In our final podcast of fall 2016, we explore animals in all shapes, sizes, and forms. I'm Jeet Ganathra. And I'm Sarah Ehrman. Welcome to the Progcast. Have you ever seen an animal with a pet? What? No, of course not. Why are humans the only animals that actually keep other animals around for companionship or food? Actually, no one really knows why we keep pets. But it's a good question, considering that more than half of Czech households have pets. George Bernard Shaw once said, Animals are my friends, and I don't eat my friends. And I believe it was Bruce the Shark from Finding Nemo who famously proclaimed, Fish are friends, not food. We are now going to explore the ideology of animals as friends, not food. Vegetarianism. There are actually quite a few vegetarian restaurants in Prague. Have you been to any? Absolutely. I love vegetarian food. I actually grew up in a strict Hindu family, so I was vegetarian until I was about 10 years old. Then I came to my senses. Why is being vegetarian so important for Hindus? Well, most Hindus are vegetarian because of the belief that it minimizes the amount of damage done to other life forms. But we practice a much more liberal form of vegetarianism. We consume dairy, and some of us even eat eggs. However, a lot of people don't know that being vegetarian is not required in Hinduism. So is that why you eat meat now? Yeah, I simply couldn't stay away from the delicious opportunity. Speaking of eating meat, broadcast reporter Joshua Pompkin and I went down to the Real Meat Society and spoke to one of their butchers to see what all of the buzz is about. So I'm here with Josh at the Real Meat Society, and we just walked in the store, and there's literally meat everywhere, all different types, anything you can think of. There's sausage, we have huge steaks, um, what looks like, what looks to be fresh body parts, and pretty much any meat accessory you can think of. You have most of your rubs, you have marinades, you have pasta, you have you know rice, anything you can think of. This place is... Pretty awesome. Pretty nice interior as well. Mostly wood and glass. It's really just about the meat here is what I'd say. Nothing, no flourishes, nothing else. Uh, can you get your name first? Uh, Jack McDonnell. Alright, say it again, sorry. Uh, Jack McDonnell. Jack McDonnell. Yeah. Where are you from, Jack? I'm from the UK, Norwich in East Anglia. Mm-hmm. Um, and what brings you to working here in Prague for the Real Meat Society? I've been living in Prague for a year now, um, visiting maybe on and off for the last three years. And I found this job through an interest in animal, uh, whole animal butchery and also the restaurant side of things as well. What's your experience been with butchery before? Do you, have you worked in another butchery or had some sort of training or learned as you went as you had different jobs? I've worked in fresh food in previous years in England, uh, in supermarkets, some fresh food preparation, some fishmonger, some butchery. So, yeah. 
that's my experience. Do you think Prague has a, a unique meat culture in the way they butcher their animals, or is there a new renaissance in meat in any way that you've seen in Prague in, sort of, in terms of how people butcher their meat now or where they get their meat from? I think this butchery in itself is actually one of the most unique ones in Prague. I think they're doing things differently here than they do anywhere else, really. Um, my boss, Paul Day, who opened his business, did it because he's a chef and when he was looking at supply for meat for his restaurants was actually disappointed with a lot of the meat that was around in the Czech Republic so he made it his mission if you will to source out like sustainable um, farming to find meat which is of much better quality which he's, which he's managed to do here with a good relationship with uh, farms in the Czech Republic. Do you know the farms that the meat comes from or do you just sort of yeah. know where they are or the philosophy behind them? Well, I don't know them personally, but Paul's had a relationship with them since his butchery's opened five, six years ago. Um, and we were still getting the same pork now that we've been getting for years. Um, we work with a number of other suppliers uh, for beef and poultry and things like that. I'm actually going tomorrow morning to near the German border to pick up some turkeys for our Christmas orders. Wow. Those guys, are, it's out in the countryside, it's kind of crazy, but it's no big... Uh, no big industrial type farm I literally see the turkeys and the geese running around in the field outside so yeah that kind of speaks for itself when you can see it first time. Could you walk us through sort of a typical day for you how you butcher meat and maybe the type of clientele you get here what your normal day looks like working here for the Real Meat Society? Yeah well for example uh, on a Tuesday morning uh, well actually a couple of hours ago we got all the pork in and so when we get that in the guys begin to Break, break it down, the beef and the pork. Um, my boss owns two restaurants in the city. One's Asian fine dining cuisine um, and one's more like a English pub meets Czech bistro and uh, we supply all the meat for those restaurants so we do a lot of preparing for them. Um, we also work with a couple of delivery companies in the Czech Republic which do home grocery delivery and we do two big orders for those every week so we're constantly preparing cuts that we send out to them twice a week, preparing stuff for the case in here, uh, and also preparing ingredients to send over to the restaurant where we also prepare things like our roast pork, which we have in the case. The guys are in there now making sausages. Um, it's a really busy time of year with Christmas coming up. We do meat boxes that we deliver to people, and, and we just take a lot of big orders for over the Christmas period. Um, do you have a favourite cut of meat yourself? Well... Yeah, I've, I've tried the 60-day dry-aged uh, T-bone Angus steak. Um, as, a, as a trainee butcher myself, beef isn't actually my favourite. I'm a big fan of pork, but the, uh, the T-bone Angus dry-aged for 60 days is, is real, nice, real nice. That sounds delicious. We might have to buy some. <laughs> gotta tell you Sarah, some of their steaks looked really good, but it's the end of the semester and I'm fresh out of cash. You said that you started eating meat almost 10 years ago, but humans have been eating meat for a long time. Some records indicate that humans started eating meat as far back as 2.5 million years. It's crazy how meat has been a staple of our diets for so long. And meat is a pretty large part of Czech cuisine, as almost all of the traditional dishes contain some form of meat. From klobasa to goulash, my time in the Czech Republic has been filled with meaty deliciousness. 
Hey Sarah, final season is in full swing, and I could really use some coffee. Know any good places? I'm getting tired of plain old Starbucks. Yeah, actually. If you want to eat around animals instead of eating them, there's a place called Coach Cafe Freya in Flora. It is Prague's first cat cafe, and when I visited there, I had the chance to speak with owner Pavla. Black and orange stray cats on the fence. I'm not actually the one who started the cat cafe. I bought the cat cafe this summer. It was somebody else's idea. It was a family, a mother and two daughters who brought the idea. I think they saw it somewhere in Japan and they really liked it, so they brought it to Czech Republic and this was actually the first cat cafe opened in Prague in Czech Republic. So it wasn't me, unfortunately. I'm just running it from the summer. So then are these cats ones that you've brought in or were they here before? No, they were here before. I bought the cafe with the cats, so they are now my cats. (laughs) Why did you decide to buy it? I lived um, abroad for a very long time where I was running a cafe and a restaurant as a manager and then I, when I came back after eight years I came back to Prague to Czech Republic and I was looking to buy a cafe because I wanted to continue doing something like that and I really missed it. But I wasn't looking at a regular cafe with paninis and coffee because there's a lot of them in Prague. I just wanted something different and this came up. I actually knew this place because I would go here. And it came up on Facebook for sale, so I showed my interest in it, and somehow it happened that I got it. These cats all came from shelters, too? Mm-hmm. Most of the cats came from shelters. There are um, two that are from the street. There's one called Minnie. She is the youngest one here. Um, she came from a building site. She was hiding in the hole, so the builders brought her to us um, if we could take care of her. And there's one called Botek. He is a tabby. Um, he's gorgeous. <laughs> and he came to us himself. That's him. He came to us him, uh, himself, basically, on one Halloween night. He just um, came to the door and he asked for asylum. <laughs> so we kept him. Get my dinner from a garbage can. Do you have any idea how they were able to make the cat cafe originally? Just because I, I imagine it would be a little bit hard just because you'd have to tell mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a landlord that you're mm-hmm. going to be bringing all these mm-hmm. cats in. Uh, well, from what I know, it was very hard to find a place, first of all. Um, then they found this and it just suited because there are some special requirements if you have a cat cafe um, from the health and safety and from the veterinary inspection. So we have to have, for example, a separate room for the cats. We have to have a quarantine room. It's not just having the cafe with the cats in it. There's a lot of regulations and stuff like that. So finding the place was the hard bit, but they did it. So I think you've like six cats right now. Uh, there's eight altogether. Uh, we have seven adults and one kitten, but the kitten is very sick. We took it in this summer. So we're trying to trying to put it together. It had a lot of diseases and everything, as it happens when you take a cat from um, from the street. So hopefully he will be okay and he will make it all. So there's seven physically at the moment here because the the eighth one is um, in my flat and I am taking care of it and trying to put it together. <laughs> uh, well, the capacity of this place, um, according to the space and you know according to the veterinary rules, um, is ten. So we do have two um, empty spaces, but we are saving those for the cats that really need it you know there are a lot of cats in shelters but um 
the cats would be adoptable. It's young kittens, it's healthy cats. So we basically are waiting or we are trying to pick up the cats that are either sick or, you know, older maybe so nobody else wants them or um, need some sort of special treatment and normal people wouldn't take them home because it would cost them money or because they wouldn't have time to do that. Wow, coffee and cats sounds like some awesome stress relief. Speaking of stress relief, how many cats do you need to fill an empty box? I don't know, how many? You only need one, because then the box isn't empty anymore. That joke didn't really relieve me of any of my stress. It kind of reminded me of math. Plus, once you close the box, is it still filled with a live cat or a dead cat? This is a podcast about animals. We don't have time for thought experiments. Sorry, I had to. We're so close to Schrodinger's native country, Austria, after all. People are serious about their pets in Prague. They're no strangers to domesticated animals. I've got to give it to the Czechs. Their pets seem pretty well trained. I always see dogs without leashes outside of shops, patiently waiting for their owners to come out. Have you seen any strange pets in Prague? Besides huge dogs and the occasional pig, not really. I think you have to make it down to the zoo to see some strange animals. We went down to the Prague Zoo with reporter Jordan Cohen-Kaplan and got closer to some animals than we expected to. The deputy director of zoology, Yaroslav Shemek, kindly took us to some of the exhibits and then even gave us a behind-the-scenes look at the giraffes. Now to Jordan at the zoo. We're here at the Prague Zoo in the Troya neighborhood of Prague in the northwest part of the city. It's a rainy, windy, wet Sunday morning, but we're getting a tour of the zoo by Yaroslav Shimek, who's the deputy director of zoology. He's been second in command of the zoology department here for about 12 years. It's a big job, as the Prague Zoo features almost 500 species and almost 7,000 individual animals. So how long have you been working at the zoo? Oh, uh, I started uh, in 2004, so if I'm counting right, I'm already here 12 or almost 13 years. But I started here at the position of the Hoofster curator, so I was in charge only of part of the animals here in the zoo. But now from 9 to 10, already 60 years, uh, I'm in charge of the whole of the zoological department. And before you worked at the Prague Zoo, did you have any other experience with animals, or was this sort of your introduction? I had the experience with the animals, but not uh, the experience with the zoo world. Because uh, I studied uh, the zoology. My keen interest from the very early childhood uh, was related to birds. But I came uh, from the non-zoo world. So of course, you can imagine it was quite difficult the first days, months, and even years to get used to this uh, special world of the zoos. But now, we're happy to be here. And what would you say is the most rewarding part of your job? Uh, do you have a favorite animal to work with, or maybe seeing animals grow up, or, or what do you think? This kind of question is, of course, uh, is of course uh, very difficult to answer. Uh, if I can start uh, with the part about the favorite animal. Difficult to say, because basically there is a huge variety of animals in the zoo, uh, something like almost 700 uh, species. So just to pick one uh, as the most favorite would not be fair for the others. But as I mentioned before, I like the birds in general. And as, as I started as a hooster curator, so I have some special uh, attitude uh, to giraffes. But it doesn't mean that the other animals would be of the less interest for me. Okay, so we're going to try and feed the giraffe right now in Yaroslav. Carrot? Oh. Yeah. 
Okay. Good piece of carrot. So his name is Johan. Johan, 16 years old, giraffe male, the father of a lot of babies here in our giraffe group. And although, as you can see, he likes his food. He doesn't like to be pet, but if you have some good argument in your hand, like a piece of carrot or a piece of apple, yeah, it's a different story. So you can also see, thanks to this feeding, how long is his tongue. It's a very good ad adaptation to get even higher reach to the freshest leaves of acacia trees in Africa. So Yaroslav, what would you say is the most dangerous animal that you have here at the zoo? Uh, to be honest, I, I do not like this kind of question, because what does it mean dangerous? The dangerous could be the domestic dog, uh, who could uh, bite you to the death. Of course, dangerous is the elephant, dangerous is the venomous snake. So it's very difficult to say, but uh, if uh, we're talking about something which is publicly known as dangerous animals, of course there are some measures taken that uh, to eliminate uh, the risk of these dangerous animals could cause any harm either to the employees or to the visitors. So uh, maybe that more dangerous could be the really the domestic dog, which is on the leash here on the visitor side, than the elephant who is behind the proper barriers and could really never get in touch with the visitors. So it's very difficult to answer this question. So uh, what do you love about working with animals? What I love about animals, it is just the fact that they are the animals. It is very, very simple because you can, you can feel from your deepness that uh, you have the affinity that you like the animals. I started uh, with my passion for the birds, for the animals from the very early childhood and very difficult to say what was exactly behind, why. So it's just somehow happened and it just uh, keeps going and though I think that yeah, the answer is quite easy it's just the animals are the animals that was really amazing I loved feeding the giraffes and definitely did not expect to get to do that definitely my favorite part of the trip your house love really hooked us up that's it for us. Thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure to check us out on SoundCloud, Facebook, and Twitter. And thanks to our supervisor, Rob Cameron, and the rest of the podcast team, Joshua Pompkin and Jordan Cohen-Kaplan. I'm Sarah Ehrman. And I'm Jeet Ganatra. But before we go, I have a question for you, Sarah. Why don't they play poker in the jungle? I don't know. Too many cheetahs. You're unbelievable. 